Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, good to be. I know I, I have a little, I've been taking a little break for you guys, but it's great to be uh, back with you this morning. Um, I hope you were blessed by Pastor Rob uh, last week as he got to share the, the message, and I hope you were encouraged by that this morning. But this morning, we're going to start a new series out of the book of Jonah. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament in the Minor Prophet section. So if you go back to the Old Testament and then go to the end near the end of the Old Testament, you'll find this little book that's called Minor Prophets. We're going to be in the book of, of Jonah starting uh, today. Uh, really, my sermon series is about mercy. And this morning, we're going to be talking about the prodigal prophet. That's the title of my sermon, The Prodigal Prophet. We know Jesus told many stories, and he told many, many parables. And so if you turn to the, the, the 15th chapter of the book of, Luke, it's the book of Luke, you'll find out that there's three parables told in that chapter. The first parable is the parable of the, of the lost sheep, right? It's in response to the tax collectors that Jesus had been ministering to, had he been reaching out to sinners, and, and he's speaking to the Pharisees to, to tell them about the lost sheep. And how this, this one man might leave the 99 to go find the one. To go find that lost one. God sent somebody to find you today. He lived that he'll leave the 99 to go find the one. And when they find that one, that man will be, come back rejoicing. And heaven will rejoice. As you continue in Luke chapter 15, it speaks about the parable of the, the lost coin. When a woman who had 10 coins loses one and searches her whole house to find it, that lost coin. And when she finds it, she tells her neighbor, I have found what I lost. I have found that coin I lost, I found. And Jesus said, just like one sinner was lost, is found, God rejoices when one repented is found. But chapter 15 of Luke also closes with a famous parable. The parable of the prodigal son. It's a story of a, a son who asked the father for his inheritance. And he runs away from home and to spend his inheritance in party lifestyling. He loses money and what is he? He finds himself in a pig bin where he comes to his right mind. He comes to his right thinking. And in so, he returns to his father. He returns to his dad who is waiting for him to return. And when he receives him, he, he throws a party. He brings out the fatted calf and the, and the clothing because that which was lost is, is now found. But in the shadows, you see the elder brother who's steaming, who's upset, who's mad and doesn't want to come to the party. And dad comes and says, son, why don't you come? He goes, why are you bringing out the fatted calf and throwing a party when a man took all your money and wasted it, and you're bringing out the good things. Haven't I been there with you this whole time? But you never throw me a party. This is not fair. This is not right. This is not just. I've always got your back, Pops. Why ain't you throwing me parties? And the dad responds, we are celebrating your brother's return. He was dead, but now he is alive. 
he was lost, but now he's found. What's the point of these stories of chapter 15? The point of these stories is a heart for the lost inside and outside the church. We as a family rejoice when one comes to faith. But we could sometimes be like the prodigal son's brother who gets angry when somebody comes back, but we've been in the church. We've been, nobody's looked at us. We've been faithful. But when somebody we haven't seen in a while comes, all of a sudden they get all the tension. You know, we could be like the elder brother sometimes. We can run from God. And we, we've run from God and God shows us his mercy but then we're in the church and somebody else runs to God and then we don't show them mercy. We forget that God's been merciful to us and we don't extend mercy to them. The Jonah story is like the parable of the prodigal. His story is like a, a two-part play. We know it's four chapters long. It's a small little book. It's a story about how John, Jonah runs away from God. He's the prodigal prophet running away from his father, his heavenly father. But God's not done with Jonah, <laughs> right? God calls Jonah back. We see that in the first two chapters is God's dealing with this runaway prophet. But then God sends him on this mission to go to Nineveh to preach the gospel, but he gets mad because he doesn't want to go to the Ninevites in Nineveh, because they were wicked people. So the first two chapters is, he's the prodigal, he's the first brother who ran away, but the last two chapters, he's like the elder brother who gets angry and mad, and you'll see that as we look at the story the next couple of weeks. We know this book is known for its fish story, but the fish is not the focus of this book. It's not the point of the story. The Lord is the focal point of the story and how he has love for lost people. This book, this book is for everyone. For those who have run away from God and been given a second chance. To those who feel God's not fair, for those who have heard God's call and ran away from the call, from those who have been hurt by others and don't believe everyone can change. The goal and purpose of this series is to give us a heart of compassion Right, Janie? To give us a heart of compassion for the lost, regardless of who they are and what they have done. We are reminded of our calling and mission as a church to reach out to our neighbors who come from a variety of backgrounds and beliefs so they could come to put their faith in Christ. So my challenge and my goal as we look at the book of Jonah is just to go a little deeper in the waters with this book, just to understand God's mercy. Guys, we're coming to a season of sharing as we're coming into the holiday season, holiday season says, even this weekend, next Sunday, we're going to be doing the harvest festival. We've been preparing it and getting ready that we need you to not be like Jonah to run away from that opportunity, but to engage that opportunity to reach out to our neighbors, the Ninevites of our community. That's our call today. That's our mission today. We're going to be looking at the prodigal prophet this morning. As we just look at verses one through three, let's read it. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that the great city 
and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come upon us. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray this morning your hand upon our time this morning. We're praying, Lord, this morning your Holy Spirit would teach us. Give us clarity of mind and give us a receiving heart. That, Father, as your word challenges us this morning, Father, you'll stir in us. You'll, you'll change us and transform us from within, Lord. So we ask that you teach us and instruct us by your spirit. We thank you and we praise you and we honor you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at three things this morning. First thing this morning is that the Lord still separates people for his work. The Lord still separates people for his work. You see that in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, so we know that the Lord speaks, and he's, he's beginning to call Jonah. He's going to begin to separate Jonah. He's going to begin to elect and choose Jonah for a specific purpose and a specific call. In fact, the word separate is the same word to mean sanctified or to set apart. God is setting apart a man for a mission and a, and a purpose. This sanctuary, when we bought it years ago, needed some work. And we, 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 we begin to invest and fix it up and put it all together because it's set apart for what? For discipleship of the people and the proclamation of the gospel. It is set apart for a purpose that we can gather and hear, not to just stay in this building, but to break from this huddle and go out and begin to serve our neighbors and love our neighbors. It's been, this land has been set apart for that very purpose. God is setting apart a man. He selected a man, a man named Jonah, right? with the purpose of the proclamation to a nation that didn't know God. He's been called to go to Nineveh, just like we as a church have been called to go to the world, just like Nineveh, right? And so I want you to understand something, first of all, in the call, and he still calls people as this, that the Lord still speaks today. Do you know that the Lord still speaks today? Because the sheep hear his voice. Some of us might have spiritual wax. We haven't heard them in a long time. We need to clean out our ears, right? We know that Jonah heard the call because we know that he runs away. So we know he heard something. We know he heard the message. We know we heard, he heard the command, but he chose to rebel against the will of God in running away. But we know that the Lord still speaks. It doesn't say how the Lord spoke. It just says that the word of the Lord came. And so we know it probably was supernatural by which God spoke to, to Jonah. God is going to express his will to Jonah. And we know we're going to see in the story that Jonah kind of rebels against God's will. And sometimes God wants to speak to you, but you run away from his call. You run away. And some way you're like Jonah. You rebel against the voice of the Lord. We have to be careful that we still hear from God. But whether Jonah realized it or not, his destiny is fixed, right? Because you know why? Because God's a hound dog. And he doesn't give up on his people. And he will hound you until you heal the call. He will seek you until, just like the woman who lost her coin, she searched the house to find it. God will search you and find you. He will go after you. Jonah had a call and a purpose, and God said, I'm calling you whether you like it or not. 
And God's called you whether you like it or not. He selected you and elected you, right? God's will today, be always wondering what the will of God is in your life. God's will is that we come to him by faith and we go share our faith. That's God's will. That we come to him by faith and we go share our faith. We see here that the Lord is separating the prophet Jonah to, for a specific task to preach to a Gentile nation, to those that are irreligious and non-religious and polytheistic and universalist in their thinking in the world. There's a lot of people in this world that think differently than us. It's okay, they think differently. There's atheists and agnostics and there's believers and there's pagans and Satanists. There's a lot of theology outside these doors, a lot of belief systems outside, a lot of worldview outside these doors. But Jonah was set apart like Paul the apostle and Barnabas was set apart by the word of the Lord. If you go all the way to Acts chapter 13, verse 2, we, we see that the early church was setting apart Paul and Barnabas to what? For a mission and a purpose. As they, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, this is the church doing this, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit spoke. The third person of the Trinity speaks. We have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, now separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I have called them. Amen. God is setting apart Paul and Barnabas. Well, what was that work that he called them? Speak to Adonias after Paul came to faith. He was blinded in a room. He had to go to a place called Straits. The Lord speaks to Ananias, a fellow Jew, to go lay hands on Paul or Saul. He, his name changes because he's blind. And it says this, go for he's a chosen vessel of mine, talking about Paul, to bear my name to the Gentiles and to kings and to the children of Israel. That was the role of Paul. To go to an unbelieving world. I want to challenge us this morning, first of all, that God still speaks through his word. He still speaks today right? God speaks through his word. He speaks through his people. He speaks, speaks through circumstances. He speaks through his church. Some of you will walk away and say, man, the Lord spoke to me today. See, the word of God is not just about content. It's about power. And the word of God brings power. I can give you a lot of information through a lot of perspiration, but I want to give you a lot of inspiration under the empowering of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so you can get revelation that brings about transformation. See, that's what we need today. God's word gives us directives. It commands us sometimes to do something. He gave us a mission and he gave Jonah a mission to go to the Ninevites. First, when we have to go, start at our home and move out. We start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts. But I want you to understand as we get into the book of Jonah, this is no fish tale, <laughs> right? This is not a mythological tale. This is not a parable. It's not an analogy. It's not an illustration. Jonah is a real person. Jonah is a real person. He's the son of Amittai, the scripture says in verse 1 of, of Jonah in chapter 1. Some believe that he is the author of this book and he's writing his, his own biography. His name means dove. That's what his name means. 
kind of symbolic of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, which is a, a dove. We know he's also a type of Christ. You'll see that as we go through this study. His father, he was the, he's the son of Amittai. Amittai means truth. Why? Because God's prophets should be the sons of truth. The, the purpose of the prophets was to proclaim God's message and to give a word on behalf of God. Jonah in the story is a, a minor prophet. He's called to be a spokesperson for God. That was his job. That was his responsibility. He's a real person. In fact, Jonah was a prophet during the reign of Jeroboam II. Jeroboam II was a king, was a king from the northern kingdom during the years 798 to 753 B.C. So he, he was a prophet during this season, during this time. If you know anything about the Old Testament, we know God selected people, and then he had kings, right? Right? Saul, David, Solomon. And after Solomon, the kingdom split to a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom because of the brokenness of things. Jeroboam was part of the northern kingdom. If you looked at his reign, he reigned over 40-something years, but he reigned and he was a wicked king. He didn't do with the things right in the eyes of the Lord. But it was during this time that Jonah was a prophet at this time. He had other prophets with him, Hosea, Joel, and Amos. They were all his contemporaries of the time during this season, during the northern kingdom under this king. We read in 2 Kings 14.25, it says, He, Jeroboam, restored the territories of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord of God of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. Very important. If you have your Bible, underline that. That area, that area is by the Sea of Galilee. Here's the Sea of Galilee. You have the Dead Sea. See this region. This is where, where Jonah was from, the prophet Jonah. The same area by which Jesus would later reign in the Sea of Galilee. We see symbolisms there throughout the book of Jonah. We know that later he would flee south in a moment. So Jonah's a real person. Jesus even spoke about Jonah, right? Jesus spoke of his ministry as a person and his ministry in general. We see in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39 to 41, it says, but he answered and said to them, and even adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. This is Jesus speaking. For Jonah as, for, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What is Jesus saying? He's, Jesus here is recognizing the factual story of Jonah because we later read in verse 17 that a, a wave comes and gets swallowed up by a whale for three days. Don't miss that. In verse 41 of chapter 12, it says, the men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented the preaching of Jonah, and indeed, greater than Jonah is here. Who's that? That's Jesus. He's comparing the fact that Ninevites repented of their sin at the preaching of Jonah, but you Pharisees and Sadducees, you're not repenting at the preaching of the Messiah, Jesus. That's what he's saying. That's what Jesus, but he's referencing that Jonah was a real person doing a real ministry. We even have Josephus, a non-religious historian that wrote about the life of Jonah. So you have biblical context and you have 
non-biblical context saying Jonah was a, a real person. But people have difficulty with the book of Jonah. They have difficulty with the book, Bible stories in general. The story has been difficult for some because of the great fish swallowing up a man and living inside of it. But you have to understand that it's part of the canon of scriptures. It's part of the inspired word of God, meaning that it's God breathed. Paul writes to Timothy that the whole scripture is God breathed. It's, a, it's, it's, it's ordained by God. But if you have to look at the scriptures, there are many things that people might find difficult in the Bible. But we know this, that faith saves us, nothing less and nothing more. People will have a time with the very first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God. He's the uncreated creator. And he created the world in six days. Some people have a hard time with that. That's why we have the Big Bang Theory. Okay, it's not a show, guys. I just want you to know. It's actually a theory. Some people have a time, hard time that he, he parted seeds, seas and he fed many with manna supernaturally. That he stopped time in the book of Judges that men disappeared supernaturally, Enoch and Elijah. He healed people, that a donkey would speak, that God came in the flesh and resurrected and will return again. I think God can override the natural with the supernatural. These stories might sound fishy to you. I'll be here next week too. But it's the foolish things of the world that confound the wise. It's the foolish things of the world that confound the wise. So God still calls and still speaks. Second thing this morning, the Lord calls people to go where he wants to work. <laughs> the Lord calls people to go to places where he wants to work. We see that in Jonah 1-2. He uses the word to arise and go. It says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me, in verse 2. Arise and go. I remember um, when I first came to Christ, I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything of the Old Testament and New Testament. All I just know is God changed me. I remember going out. I grew up in East LA, LA, and right away, I hit the streets in Hollywood and just to talk to people about Jesus, just telling them my story. I remember when my wife and I and the team was praying about whether to start a new vision, and, and to be honest with you, I was kind of Jonah for a while. I didn't want to do it. I sat in my office as people challenged me, Pete, you know, it's time for you to do this. And I'm like, until I hear from the word of the Lord, I'm not moving. I have to hear from the word of the Lord before I move. And that's how I've always lived my life. I'm not doing this unless you tell me something. Do it, God. So I waited for a couple months, prayed. Then the word of God spoke, and he gave me a passage out of John 3.3. It says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he released me from the ministry that I was to start new vision so that I can arise and go. But I had to hear from the word of the Lord first before I would go, because I cannot go if God's not sent. Unless God said to go. And so God moved us to go, and that's how we started in 2008. Here in the story, the Lord commands Jonah to do two things. He says, to arise and go, and to cry out against the wickedness of the Ninevites and the, of the city. He was challenged to travel 750 miles through the desert to preach. That was his challenge. Let me tell you something about God's calling and challenge. 
God's calls are big sometimes. And they have to be big. Because if they were small, we could do them. But he gives us large challenges because only he can do it, not us. Our dependency is always on him. And this task seemed big for Jonah. Bigger than he could ever imagine. Why? Because the Bible says that Nineveh was a, a great city. It was one of the largest city at that time. And God will always challenge us to go to places that seem bigger than us. In fact, Nineveh was actually established all the way back to Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 to 12. Nineveh was built by Nimrod, the great grandson of Noah. It was the principal city. It was during the time of the Tower of Babel and all that time, right? In fact, the word Nimrod in the Akkadian language is Nunu, which you get the word fish. The Ninevites worshipped the fish goddess, Nashi, and they worshipped the, the, the fish goddess, Dagon, which was half fish, half man. That's where they practiced. I find it interesting that you're reading about a fish. God uses a fish for his purpose to destroy the pagan gods of fish and the Ninevites. It's located in the Middle East and modern-day Babylon near the Tigris River. In fact, chapter 3 states that now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day's journey in extent. Some believe the circumference of the city was 48 to 60 miles in circumference. Chapter 4 states that there were more than 120,000 people in that city, which was very large at that time. It was a, a walled city, and the walls were about 10 stories high and wide enough for two chariots to pass on it. So it made up high, it had to be 40 feet wide. Nineveh was a military powerhouse. It was a rich commercial city. But Nineveh was a wicked city. That's why he's sending Jonah. The prophet Nahum described Nineveh in the following way, because he writes about Nineveh as a prophet. You can go read that little short book. He described it as a, a vile city, a foul and vulgar, repulsive, depraved, perverted. Just read that in Nahum 1.14. It was idolatrous, but we said it, it worshiped pagan gods and false gods and images in Nahum 1.14. It was a violent city full of thieves and robbers, Nahum 3.1. It was sexual and full of witchcraft and sorcery, and they practiced modern-day psychics in that city, Nahum 3.4. In fact, the prophet Zephaniah said it was a prideful, boastful city, a place of human pride that allied with itself with demons and it rejected God. Nineveh was a great city operating in the darkness. And it says the wickedness came up before the Lord. God saw the wickedness. He saw the issues and he wanted to engage it. He didn't want to run away from it. He didn't want to start a counterculture. He wanted the, the man of God, the prophet of God, to speak the truth of God to a dark nation. And so he called him to arise and go. He'll say that two times in chapter one and in chapter three, arise and go. Sometimes we have to be reminded when we, we get busy. Arise and go, these words aren't foreign to God. He said to Joshua, arise and go, and enter into the promised land and overtake a Canaanite world. Arise and go. He, he said, arise and go to Gideon to defeat the Midianites. 
He said, arise and go to Philip to preach to the Ethiopian eunuch. He said, arise and go to Ananias to pray over Paul, the persecutor. And Matthew chapter 28 commands us to rise and go and make disciples of all nations. Listen, regardless of the risk, regardless of the risk, Nineveh represented the world, that we are to go into all the world, go into an unbelieving world. You know what God did? He didn't call us to go to clean places. He didn't call us to go to safe places. He didn't call us to go to comfortable places. Sometimes we have to go to difficult places. Even though... Jonah struggled with that. He had a judgmental spirit. We're going to look at that in a moment. God was still calling him to go. Sometimes he'll take the very thing that you hate and the people you hate to go do his work. Because not only does he want to transform those people, he wants to transform us. He wants to change us as a people of God. This was an unusual request because in history there was never ever a Hebrew prophet who was commanded to go to a Gentile world. So the God of the Hebrews was sending an emissary to bring warning to an unbelieving nation. Guys, we as God's people are bringing good news to a world that seems to only be hearing bad news. We are called to rise and go and proclaim the gospel of hope, peace, grace, and mercy. That's what we hope to do next Sunday night. So God sends us. But the third thing I want to share with you this morning is that hiding from God's call will only make things worse. Hiding from God's call will only make things worse. Look at verses three. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid a fare and he went down into it to go with it them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Guys, growing up um, with my kids, I have four kids. We did a lot of fun things together as kids. And one of those fun things was, was to play flash, light, hide, and seek. We did this in our house. And what we did is we turned all the lights off in our house. And, and somebody was in and they would, they would count and then everybody would go, hide in the house, and we would use flashlights to find people, right? We would be seekers of those that were lost. But let me tell you something. My kids were terrible hiders. <laughs> they would hide behind couches with their feet sticking out. They would laugh as you walk by them. They would even stand up and say, here I am. I don't think they're quite getting the game yet. Jonah was like my kids when they were little. He was playing hide and seek with God. The Adam and Eve did the same thing in the garden. As if we could hide from God, the psalmist writes, oh, where can I free from your presence? The heavens, the graves, or the oceans, you are there. Psalm 139, seven through nine. Listen, just like us as parents, we were good at finding our kids and our heavenly father is even better at finding his People can run 
from the call. They can stop going to church. They can stop praying, reading, serving, or just try to forget God. But just like Jonah, God will pursue you like he pursued Jonah. He will bring things in your way, storms, trials, difficulties to get your attention. Whether you realize it or not, that is God's mercy and grace. That is God's mercy. Some of you are here because you had to go through the darkness to get to the light. You had to go through hell to get to heaven. Some of you are here because of that. That's God's grace and mercy. Well, let me tell you something here. Disobedience to the call of God. Be careful that we're not disobedient to the call of God. There are several reasons why Jonah was, why Jonah went west instead of going east. Why he headed to Spain instead of to the Middle East. Why he chose the sea over land, leaving his own town in the northern kingdom. Why maybe he ran from the will of God. But Jonah will come to realize you can't muzzle God's call. <laughs> Let's look at some of these because these I think are some of the things that we battle with in our own life of why we don't go and share. Number one, fear. Fear. Yes, sharing your faith is fearful and it can be costly. I think Jonah had a sense of fear. It'd be like for Jonah... He could have been killed for sharing his field to go to the Ninevites. It'd be like a Jew going to Germany during the Holocaust and telling the Germans to repent from the wrath of God is coming on them. If a Jew to go to the Ninevites. You might all have been familiar with John Allen Cho. He's martyred. He was a martyred missionary at 26 who felt the call to go to the Sintalese Island in India where no man has ever been before. Only tribal people were there. And he died because of it in 2018. And it says, I, I was researching this item, it says the Sintanese appear to have consistently refused any interaction with the outside world and they are hostile to outsiders and have killed people who approached or landed on the islands. He went to go preach the gospel. He was a missionary, a young kid. Boldness went and he got killed for it in 2018. Now let's... Let's contextualize it. Why do I say that? Because Nineveh was the capital of Assyria and the Assyrians were very vicious people and they hated the Jews. And the Jews hated the Assyrians. It, it, it was standard operations for the Assyrians to kill all the men and children and rape the women when they captured people and they would skin people alive and cut off their heads and put them on poles and walk around the city. When the people heard that the Assyrian armies were coming, they would commit mass suicides instead of fall into the hands of the Assyrians. Hmm. Yet God the Father sent his only begotten son into the hands of his creation. And they crucified him on the cross. He said he came to his own, his own did not receive him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God gave it. There's a risk to the go. There's a risk to the rise. And yes, it's scary and it's fearful. God's not crossing you to cross the sea. He's just asking you to cross the street. He's not asking you to go. He just asks you to knock on your neighbor's house or to love your neighbor, anybody near you. 
But I know it could be scareful because you could be rejected. You could be ridiculed. You could be a lot of things. It's fearful. So I think fear plays a factor in the, because it's not a fear factor, excuse me, plays a factor in our sharing. But perfect love cast out fear. How about the second thing? How about prejudices? Come on, I'm going go, to go there. Jonah, Jonah hated the Ninevites. He hated the Ninevites. And we can have biases and we could be wounded by certain people and certain cultures and certain identities that we don't want to go there. Is it possible that Jonah saw the viciousness of the Assyrian army? They're wicked people. They don't deserve to be saved. They're too far gone. They're too far gone from God. They're not worthy of redemption. Maybe Jonah lost somebody he loved by the hands of these Ninevites or these Assyrians. Maybe he was wounded. Maybe they were wounded and maybe they were hurt by them. And he didn't want anything good to happen to them. He didn't even want to forgive them, but he wanted them to be judged. We see later that this is the truth because we read later in, in Jonah 4.2, it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Remember, Galilee. Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious and a merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. And the very thing I didn't want to see happen, happen. He was angry. Be careful of our own biases. How about prophecy? He was a nationalist. He was a patriotic Jew. He was committed to his country and his ethnicity and all that was going on. He understood Nahum's prophet, the prophet Nahum, who, 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 who prophesied that God would destroy Nineveh for its evil. And 150 years after their repentance, it came true in 612 BC. But the Assyrians, later, God would use the Assyrians to take captive the northern kingdom and they would become their captivity in 722 BC. Jonah supported and believed this prophecy. So in his mind, there's no logical sense for me to go preach to Nineveh because they're already going to be destroyed already. That was his thinking. See, Jonah allowed himself to be aligned politically and emotionally to a national security of Israel. We could do the same today. Align ourselves politically instead of align ourselves biblically. We need to be biblically directed. But what was, the, what was the root of his running? I love what Tim Keller said. He talks about how we have mistrust of God's goodness and mercy and grace. He said this, if you want to understand your own behavior, you must understand that all sin against God is grounded in the refusal to believe that God is more dedicated to our good and more aware of what that is than we are. We distrust God because he, we assume he is not truly for us, that if we give him complete control, we will be miserable. Sin always begins with the character assassination of God. One of the main reasons that we trust God too little is because we trust our own wisdom too much. The Lord's trying to do with Jonah, saying, Jonah, your life is not your own. And your life is not your own. 
God purchased your life. He owns your life. You are his servants and he's calling us like he's calling Jonah. But let me tell you what's going to happen as we close. Dis disobedience will cost you. Disobedience will cost you. We know faith can cost us too. We just got to read Luke chapter 14. But disobedience will cost you because it'll only bring you down, right? Jonah arised and went, but he went the wrong way. What does it say? He went down to Joppa. Notice the word down. How many times he mentions that? He went down to Joppa, right? Fleeing God's command, breaking fellowship with God. You know, we could break fellowship with God. And he, 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 he landed in a port city that he wanted to escape to Tarshish. So he went down to Joppa to, on his way to Tarshish. Tarshish was from Joppa to, to Tarshish, which is southern Spain, is 2,500 miles. So Jonah, I want you to go 750 miles to preach the Ninevites, but he went the opposite way, 20, over 2,500 miles to Spain. I'm going to get the furthest way I can away from God. How many tried to get away from God and went dark and went down and went far away? Now, Joppa was a mixed city. It had Jews, Gentiles. It had a little bit of everything. It was a small port time, but it was a seedy environment. And Jonah said, I'll just go hang out here. Nobody will know me here. Sometimes we go to places we just don't want to be noticed. It's our hideouts. Right? But it'll only bring you down. And it will cost you time. Disobedience will cost you time. Some of you have done time. But it will cost you time. Right? He had to go away from the work. He ran away from the work. From the northern part, Galilee, down to Joppa, heading toward Tarshish, some of you are so gifted here and God has beautifully gifted you, but you wasted your gift on other things. Your abilities and talents, you wasted the time. Time is a commodity. Don't waste your time on foolishness. And people have done that. They've lived foolishly because they wasted their time. It will cost you money. Disobedience will cost you money. Like the prodigal wasted his money and his possessions and his inheritance. He went down and paid a wage, right? You know, and, and the devil will be in that. Maybe he went down to Joppa. Oh, and they got a discount to Tarsus today. Oh, I got a coupon. Let me just give, I guess, a discounted. Oh, I got a not place. Things are working out. I got a boat ride coming. I'm going to get on a Mediterranean cruise. I'm going to take a coastline. I'm going to go, I'm on my way. Sometimes you think because things are working out nice, it doesn't necessarily mean they're ordained by God. Think about Mary, Mary Magdalene, who came and anointed Jesus' feet with oil because of the work that God had done in her life. She was demon-possessed. Remember, Jesus cast out the demons. And she comes, she breaks a spike, and boom, it breaks it and pours it on Jesus' hair and his feet and washes it and does it. And the disciples were all there watching. And then Judas speaks up and says, why did you do that? You wasted it and we could have sold it and give it to the poor. But do your homework about Judas. Judas was an embezzler. 
Judas was skimming from the top of the money. It says that in the scriptures. He wasn't concerned about the worship of Mary on Jesus. He was more concerned about that money and what he could put in his pockets. Because why? Because he wasted his life. Don't waste your life. Don't waste the blessings. Don't waste those things that God has given you. It will take you for it will take you places you don't want to go, disobedience. He went down to Joppa. He went down into a boat, it says. He went into the belly of the boat. Chapter two, we're going to follow him in the belly of a, ba- a whale, of a great fish. When you're disobedient, it's only going to take you down and down and down and down. And you're going to have to start making things up to get out of it. You're going to start lying. You're going to find yourself in a web. You can't get out of it. Your disobedience will rob you of your health, your peace, your joy, your giftedness. It will rob you. Jonah is fleeing but you can't run from God because <laughs> next week he's going to bring a storm. Then he's going to bring a whale and God's going to bring a lot of things to get Jonah's attention. We cannot be the prodigal kids this morning. So I leave you with these three thoughts as the worship team comes. Remember this, that the Lord still separates people for his work. He set you apart for his work. He's called you for a work, number one. The second thing this morning is the Lord calls people to go where he wants to work. God has a place that he wants to work. It might be in your job. It might be in your school. It might be in your neighborhood. It might be in your family. It might be overseas. It might just be here. But God's got a place for you to go. And he calls you to that specific work. He's gifted you for a specific work. Don't run away from it. Because why? Hiding from God's call will only make things worse. Don't make it worse. Let's make it better. Amen. Father heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace, Lord, this morning. And I pray this morning your hand, Lord, upon your work. Lord, I pray this morning that the word of God has gone forth. And Lord, we ask for the blessings of the hearing and the reading of your word as we partake of communion. May you be glorified and may you be honored in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.